Welcome to the Rennie Podcast, a podcast about the real estate market and the people connected by it. We seek to empower our listeners to make informed decisions while providing context for the real estate world around them. We hope that with every episode, you become a little more knowledgeable and a lot more curious. Hello, everyone. Today, we're discussing the latest residential real estate data across the Vancouver region for May 2022. We'll focus on the following three insights. The detached house market of the Vancouver region is balanced. The context for our housing market has shifted in the first six months of this year. And for existing homeowners, rising borrowing costs are more likely to spell inconvenience than disaster. My name is Justine Liu, a managing broker at Rennie, and joining me as always is Ryan Berlin, Rennie's Senior Economist and Director of Intelligence, and Ryan Wise, our Senior Analyst with our Intel team. I'm also excited to welcome Andy Ma. Andy has started his real estate career with Rennie in 2017, and on his first year in business, he was awarded the Rookie of the Year Award and has been a Rennie leader every year since. We have a lot to talk about today, so welcome everyone, and thank you for joining us today. Thank you for having me. Thanks, Justine. Hey, how's everyone doing? Doing good. So the last time we were in this room, we were discussing the weather and how it's very <laughs> unseasonally cold. And here we are one month later, still looking the same. Or <laughs> you do you guys have summer plans coming up when summer decides to arrive? And when it arrives. Yeah, I hate the term January. I've always mm-hmm. kind of resented that and didn't actually think it held very true. But this year, it really has. And yeah, I'm looking forward to summer. Um, blame Ryan Wise for that. He said it last podcast, and now it came true. No, yeah, exactly. <laughs> I was talking about Maybember, but anyway. <laughs> okay, okay. How about yourself, Andy? I'm actually going to Spain next week. So. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> okay, jealous. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, I'm so well overdue. I haven't gone on vacation for like like two You're years. You're not going to be the only one. I yeah, think this yeah. is going to be the summer of travel. Yeah. It's the first time in two years. Yeah. yeah. Everybody's exactly. having a, was it travel vengeance or everybody's just going away now (laughs) (laughs) revenge travel yeah that's what they're totally determined all right great so we have a lot to talk about today so let's just get right into our first insight the detached home segment of the vancouver region market is balanced the months of inventory ratio for detached homes is now 5.6 so ryan wise we are usually speak in terms of sales to listing ratios can you explain what months of inventory is and what it's telling us yeah, sure. So essentially months of inventory is, it's the same math. It's kind of the inverse calculation. Instead of saying sales divided by listings, listings divided by sales. And this way we can talk about how much supply is on the market today. So if no new supply got added, how many months would it take for us to run out of supply essentially? Mm-hmm. Um, and so the quick sort of metrics for months of inventory, anything below 5.0 is considered uh, a seller's market, anything between five and eight is balanced and anything above eight is considered a buyer's market. Mm. So in every single month since June of 2020, so essentially that first lockdown that we've all tried to forget, um, we've been in uh, seller's market territory. So it's been below five. And not only has it been for the whole market, it's been in each of our product segments. So condos, townhomes, and detached. Mm. Uh, Every month that is until last month when we finally got detached homes up to 5.6, as you mentioned. Um, and so that's a big change. We've talking about how the market's been shifting. So here we are finally for at least one product type, it's no longer a seller's market and no longer a deep seller's market at that. Um, so we're still sellers for, for townhomes and condos. They are at 2.9 and 2.6 respectively. So a ways to go for those two segments, uh, the more affordable product types. 
Um, but for a detached, we finally started to see a shift. Um, and now buyers and sellers are a lot closer, are, are on equal footing. Um, and we've really seen that, that shift play out a lot more quickly in the Fraser Valley. So we found that, um, where the market was so much tighter in the Valley, I know we've been talking a lot for quite a while about how, how much that detached home market in the Valley was really attractive to so many buyers. Well, now it's sort of the inverse of that things have come down a lot more quickly. And so for months of inventory calculations, those numbers are much higher in the Valley, which represents, um, much closer to balance conditions. So it's, uh, for detached is 5.9 in the Valley versus 5.3 in the Vancouver board area. And so we're really seeing as, as people kind of pushed out through the pandemic mm -hmm. and, you know, such a hot market to the East, it's sort of retreated back towards the core. And we're seeing those, those sort of furthest markets out start to calm down, uh, more quickly. And that's, you know, we kind of, I think a few months ago, you know, looking at the balance of the year and where we thought, the various, um, you know, you know, home type markets might go detached. We flagged as sort of being overheated was, was bound to come back to earth on some level. And, and, and I guess we are seeing that now mm -hmm. and, you know, led by changes in the Valley, but that we're seeing it North of the Fraser as well. Um, but interesting still that despite, and we'll discuss the, the, the headwinds that we're facing in a bit more detail shortly, but despite those, that the multifamily market is still mm -hmm. in technically sellers territory. Um, but I guess the change in the detached market, Andy was, um, is, is, is having some impacts on the behavior of buyers and how they're approaching their search. You know, when the market's hot, it's always about inventory, right? Inventory, inventory. We're still talking about inventory, right? <laughs> so, right. It is, but you know, now we're talking about inflation, inflation rates, interest rates, you know, higher and the house that impacting borrowing costs, right? It's happened really quickly. Like no matter how, you know, you know how you look at it, right? We're in June, right? January, February, March, right? The heat of it, you can get, whether it be multifamily, condos, townhomes, detached, right? You wouldn't stand a chance unless you went subject free, right? Like, you know, mm -hmm. trying to do your due diligence mm -hmm. or anything yeah. like that. Right. Um, guess what? April, May, June, right. June, three months after here we are. Right. With a couple interest rate changes. Right. So, um, that's heavily impacted by all the way across the board. Right. Even though you sold in January, February, March, let's say, right. Guess what the completion dates are. Right. Usually about two, three months out. Right. Mm -hmm. So, mm -hmm you know, there's going to be buyer's remorse, right? And, and things like that, right? I'm dealing with a couple of cases, right? Um, <clears throat> that have these scenarios, right? <clears throat> uh, sellers sold great price, obviously, right? If I was to sell that same property today, we we're talking about hundreds of thousands, you know, um, not even the same, right? Yeah, it's interesting because there is this issue when you go through these inflection points in the market, whether it's bottoming out and coming back up or yeah. you're sort of reaching a ceiling and coming down, you, you get all this sort of, uh, there's a lot of regret mm -hmm. <laughs> or yeah, a greater prevalence exactly. of it because, yeah. uh, you know, it, in, in our current conditions, you're going to have people who feel like they bought too high or people who sold too early or too late. Yeah. But ultimately, you know, it comes back to this notion of, you know, understanding what your purchase or selling objectives are, yeah. are you, is this, is this purely a monetary investment where you're looking for a return yeah. or 
does housing provide more than that to you? Um, it's a it's a place to to live, to work from. It's a it's it gets you into a neighborhood that you want to integrate with. It's a place where you're going to raise your kids, yeah. you know. And are you going to be in the market? Or are you going to be in your home for a long period yeah. of time? And if so, mm-hmm. the question is, can you afford? Like, really, do you have the means to afford the housing um, that you're buying? And I think you know that is. I know what it's like to have regret where you didn't get the exact right price you wanted, either as a buyer or seller, Mm -hmm. but ultimately it's really about whether you can afford it. Do you find your buyers are sort of approaching their deals with a lot more confidence now as they're able to do their full due diligence? They're not going subject free. They're getting their financing properly in order. They're getting their inspection, all that stuff. Does it make for a a more confident offer from your buyers? Uh, Yeah, hundred percent. Right. I like this market a lot more. Right. Mm -hmm. So this side, it's fair for both sides, mm-hmm. right? So this environment that we have right now, right, in a balanced market is, it is, you know, a good segue to look into these things, right? Mm-hmm. And and possibly negotiate and get some deals done here and there, mm-hmm. right? Sellers are in a position that may have bought and need to sell, right? Right? Um, and, you know, buyers are, you can have the chance to do due diligence of inspecting the home, right? Right? What's the use of the land? What's zoning? Understand all that, you know, have that time, right? To go through, right? Especially appraisals. Just because you're approved for it doesn't mean you got to understand how mortgage rules work and stuff mm-hmm. like that, right? Mm-hmm. Um, in this market, you know, subject to financing, subject to inspection, right? Mm-hmm. You know, check if there's an oil tank, if it's an older house or whatever, right? Um, you know, that way, you know, when when you send that deal to your lender, right? They send their appraisers, get given deliver the great news right what you bought for is appraised for what's the value we can fund that right mm. you know right no risk that's a lot of really great stories that you shared with us andy oh no worries yeah yeah so yeah. with that let's go into insight number two the context for our housing market has shifted in the first six months of this year so this question for Ryan Berlin. So Ryan, let's elaborate on this. What are we seeing in some of our key macroeconomic indicators for Canada, BC, and Metro Vancouver? Yeah, so it's um, it's interesting because there's so much, um, I would say the consensus is uh, the view on the economy is negative mm-hmm. right now and on the housing market. And I say that generally, whether that's you're talking about Canada or you're talking about provinces or, or a region like Metro Vancouver. Um, at this point, we're not in a recession and we won't go down that rabbit hole of, you know, whether we're technically officially in a recession or not really, really matters. Um, but we're not actually in a recession at this point. Growth does appear to be slowing. As we've said before, there are more, um, economic and housing market headwinds, um, that were, that were, uh, that we're facing today than we were six months ago, a year ago. There's no doubt about it. And in to some extent, this was to be expected as we came out of the pandemic. The whole path into and out of the pandemic from an economic and housing perspective was it was uncharted. Um, and, you know, so far we have, you know, collectively overall fared, um, I'd say fairly well. I wouldn't say we've come out unscathed. There's a reckoning certainly that's happening right now. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, there is there is a lot of uncertainty characterized by, um, uh, high inflation. We all are aware of that. Um, you know, consumer prices. So this is the the price of macaroni and lattes (laughs) and sofas and t-shirts and all of those things, you know, is rising 
historically fast, like faster than anything we've seen in the past 30 years, close to 7% nationally. Um, and that's up from 5% at the end of last year. So over the, over the six months of this year, we've seen an acceleration in inflation. So the issue hasn't gone away. I was dead wrong. I was on team transitory. Uh. It hasn't been transitory. All right. So, um, you know, we, we, I missed that one. Um, but we, we still, the other shoe hasn't dropped on inflation yet. We have not rounded the corner. Um, and I think that is creating a lot of uncertainty for people because specifically not only is the cost of living going up, but it is leading to rising interest rates. We were effectively, the Bank of Canada effectively was maintaining a 0% you know, interest rate overnight rate, as they call it, um, until the beginning of this year. We're now at 1.5%. And after the Federal Reserve's announcement down in the States, um, recently increasing their rate by 0.75%, we can definitely expect to see the Bank of Canada in the middle of July raise uh, our rate by another half a percentage point to three quarters of a percentage point. Mm -hmm. So we're going to be up to, we're going to be above either way. We're going to be above the pre-pandemic policy interest rate that the Bank of Canada maintains. So that, that is definitely a shift in the interest rate environment. And it's happened very, very quickly. Mm -hmm. Mortgage rates now, discounted five-year fixed rates are up near 4%. Um, so that's making it more expensive for buyers, but it's also more expensive for builders because we know construction costs yeah. for a whole bunch of reasons higher financing charges, land prices haven't waned. We know wages are up. Um, the Canadian dollar uh, has depreciated. Um, materials costs have gone up. So it's a, on every front right mm -hmm. now, developers, builders. Um, Even getting one, material. And that's one sector with a labor shortage too. That's right. a great point. Yeah. <laughs> that is, yeah, I mean, we, yeah. So in, in construction in Metro Vancouver, it has the second highest job vacancy rate of, of any sector in this regional economy at 9%. So mm -hmm. we just, and overall, the unemployment rate is very low. And I think maybe that's where we sort of pivot the conversation that there are some almost unambiguously negative things facing our economy, our consumers, um, our housing market. But fundamentally, our economy is still functioning quite well. I mean, it really just depends on how you decide you mm -hmm. want to look at things. If we look at the labor market, mm -hmm. wages in Canada on a year-over-year -year basis have been going up over the past year by 4.5%, which is pretty robust. Yeah. Um, it's nothing like house prices have gone up, but <laughs> That's from, <for> a, sure. <laughs> <laughs> from a wage perspective, that is a, that is a solid increase in BC. It's been much lower at only 0.5%. So that is something to consider in our own uh, context here in Metro Vancouver. But but wages have generally been growing. The unemployment rate in Metro Vancouver is down to 4.5%. So we're approaching that pre-pandemic historical low, which basically says that for everyone who wants to work, um, they're essentially able to find jobs at this point in time. Um, so that, that bodes well for our economy. Um, with wages going up, it means there's a lot of purchasing power in the market. So depending on who you are, how you, how you engage with the housing market, that's either a pro or a con. Yeah. Um, you know, obviously if you're a first time home buyer looking to break in the fact that we are seeing continued, um, population growth, immigration is up 71%, um, to mm -hmm. Canada this year versus last year, year to date. Um, there is still demand pressure, um, from population growth, from wage increases, from employment growth. Um, and all of those fundamentals really underpin our market. So we haven't seen a shift there. So again, when we look sort of big picture, we haven't seen, you know, as I noted before, we haven't seen that, that other shoe drop yet. Um, I don't think that there is still so much uncertainty, 
Um, we know interest rates are going to continue to rise. We know inflation, even if it starts to come down this month or next month or the month after, is still going to be running hot. Life is more expensive right now. Um, so I think as we look at the balance of the year and we look at our housing market in this region, there's still a lot of challenges and we're just analysts. Like we look at things from like 30,000 feet, but Andy, I know you're, you're working with real people who have real concerns who are being impacted by the rising cost of living and increasing borrowing costs. But obviously that, you know, the, 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 the impact is different depending on who you're working with. I imagine you have a portfolio of clients, some are first time home buyers, some are existing owners looking to move up. Some are downsizers. Like, how are some of these things actually influencing people's perspectives and decisions? Uh, well, yeah, you're right. Like, so I am working with, um, you know, buyers and sellers, right? Typical same questions that everyone's getting, like inflation, interest rates, and stuff like that, right? So, um, you know, for the buyers, let's say, right? So, you know, with increasing interest rates, right? There are still buyers that have locked in their their 120 days, right? Mm -hmm. So uh, they are getting, if they buy within this 120 days, they are getting that cheap rate, that, you know, the cheaper rate, right? (laughs) Sorry, right? So yeah, cheaper rate. Because if they go outside of that date, right, they're going to get a new increased one, which most likely will happen because it's probably going to follow what you were saying, US went up 0.75 Canada's date is July 13th, right, on their feds, right? So they're probably going to look at that, and then the banks will probably look at raising their rates. Mm -hmm. So Mm -hmm. from a buyer's perspective, if they need to get in a home and still capture that rate and affordability, right, the higher the rate is, the less they can afford, right, you know, for borrowing Mm -hmm. what they can borrow, right? So they do want to capture that, right? But there's that fine line, right, trying to balance, like, can we – can we wait till July 13th? We're just three weeks from now or, you know, less than a month, right? That's going to put more pressure towards sellers lowering their prices, right? The buyer pool will shrink a little bit more, right? Um, Having another 0.75 increase of interest rates, right? So where does that play? So I think it really comes down to, I think you touched based on that, Ryan, is like, what's going to really happen, right? We don't know what's really going to happen. Yes, uh, theoretically, uh, inflation rates should come down, right, with increased interest rates. But um, if you look at the U.S., um, their last report went higher with two increases, right? That's why Mm -hmm. it went 0.75. There was Mm -hmm. no language of 0.75. It was only 0.5, but they had to do something strong. Totally. That's almost a, that's a, that's a great segue into our third insight. So this brings us into insight number three. For existing homeowners, rising borrowing costs are more likely to spell inconvenience than disaster. The stats show that discounted five-year fixed rates have risen by about 200 basis points in the last two years. So Ryan Wise, with fixed rates increasing this much over the last couple of years, what does this impact look like for borrowers? Yeah, absolutely. So I think we wanted to talk about specifically about fixed rates today because most borrowers choose the five-year fixed rate. So depending mm-hmm. on which data set you look at, it's about two-thirds of Canadians choose uh, fixed rate mortgages and almost all of them are taking five-year fixed rates. Mm-hmm. So these rising interest rates don't uh, really impact them until either they sell or they renew their mortgage. 
Um, and so from about March of 2019 to December of last year, most of these borrowers, if they were renewing or renewing at lower rates, they were getting a better deal. And then in the last six months or so, they've started to renew at higher rates. So if you look at where mortgage rates were in 2017, it's those people who borrowed in 2017 who are renewing right now. Um, and historically, the spread has been about plus or minus 1% from from what you borrowed at to what mm -hmm. you renew at. So not a huge gap, but now we're talking about a 2% difference yeah. on mortgage rates to from today versus 2017. So, th th you know, there's a lot of talk about this right now. So, right, that summarizes um, what we know about the mortgage rates that have shot up of late, but we also know that most homeowners have fixed rate contracts right now. So can you give me an example of a situation um, that a homeowner might find themselves in today? Yeah, so um, like one example, if you bought, we've talked about the $1.5 million detached house. So if you were in May of 2017 and you bought a $1.5 million detached house, which that was about what the benchmark price for East Van was at the time. So mm -hmm. say you bought a house in East Van, you paid $1.5 million. You did an uninsured mortgage, so you put that standard 20% down. So that would be a $300,000 down payment. So that leaves you with $1.2 million mortgage, 25-year amortization. So what does those five years look like for you? And then where are you today, uh, I think is important to look at. So mm -hmm. um, the discounted five-year fixed rate, not posted at the time, but discounted where most people would get their rates was about 2.24%. Um, there was no stress test for uninsured borrowers at the time. So these this particular example, yeah. they wouldn't have been stress tested. Um, and that monthly payment, if they just made a standard monthly payment, was about $5,200 a month. So if you went ahead five years, you made all your payments, you didn't make any extra or lump mm -hmm. sum type payments. Um, your balance is just over a million dollars today in this situation. And now you're facing discounted five-year fixed rates uh, just this past May at about three and a half percent. Again, a little more than 2% higher than what you had. Um, we should probably point out that the average price went up about 28%. So your home is now valued at 1.9 and change. So you have a lot of wiggle room on equity, yeah. um, but you're facing a higher sort of... Uh, a higher interest rate to deal with. Mm, okay, got it. So what options does a homeowner have now when they're renewing their mortgage? Yeah, so assume they love their house, they don't want to sell, they don't want to move. Um, essentially, they have three options, right? They can keep their amortization the same, the amortization schedule, and increase their monthly payments. So um, if you had a $5,200 payment on the old interest rate, and you just renew at the higher interest rate, you're looking at 5,800, a little over. So about a, just over $600 increase in payments, which is a lot. And yeah. I know that's a big bill, especially in the face of inflation. Although it's worth pointing out, you know, not knowing what your last five years looked like, hopefully your, your wages have gone up. Hopefully you're in a better financial situation. Mm -hmm. But if not, if that's too much for you, you can stretch your amortization back out. So if you push it out to say 23 years, um, then that, it takes you about even your payments go up by less than a hundred bucks. So you can always stretch out that amortization. And then the last one, which I know there's some economists actually recommending this move right now is you can switch your fixed rate term. So if you take a, a one year fixed mm -hmm. rate mortgage and you're, you're sort of banking on this idea that mortgage rates will peak this year and start to come back down next year. And you sort of play that game. Then you're looking at payments of 5,500, 5,600, an increase of about between three and $400. So a lot of the big banks are actually forecasting bond yields, which drive fixed rates to peak in 
third or fourth quarter of this year and then again decline in 2023 so that's another option people have and i guess this whole sort of conversation is about um bar or renewers in this case or borrowers they really have a lot of options available to them they don't just need to take that higher rate or sell their home there's a lot more sort of to play with and a lot more to think about mm-hmm. and just know sort of what you can do and and where to go and i think also looking at it not at the individual homeowner level or buyer seller level but more at a macro level you know there's a lot of frustration with the implementation of the stress test first for insured borrowers mm-hmm. uh, and then uninsured even though you know the banks as part of their due diligence were you know essentially qualifying borrowers at at higher rates than were appearing on their contract there was some frustration with that when interest rates were so low because yeah. a lot of the, the narrative then was like, hey, interest rates, this was pre-pandemic, of course. Mm-hmm. Interest rate, there's nothing indicating, nothing that we can see. <laughs> COVID-19, you know, being in our blind spot, obviously, um, that would drive interest rates up to the levels that people are being qualified at. So why such an onerous, you know, yeah. so-called stress test? Yeah. And, you know, in hindsight now, you look at where rates are and now they're really coming into play because you, you got to remember that virtually every buyer uh, or homeowner now um, who is renewing, we're, we're almost everyone. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it came in for uninsured in October, 2017. So it's yeah. been almost five years. Yeah. Almost, uh, yeah. Okay. <laughs> so, um, so we know that they were qualified at higher rates than they're actually paying. And it doesn't mean that absolutely no, no, no questions asked, no problem. You can, you can mm-hmm. absorb the higher monthly cost because, you know, of course, the cost of living in general has gone up quite a bit. Um, but what it does say is that there were some buffers built into our financial system and into the lending environment that should be in some ways paying dividends for our housing market and economy um, by way of, um, you know, resulting in, you know, far fewer defaults than would otherwise be the case. This is, I mean, this certainly is not 2008, 2009 in the United mm-hmm. States. So in hindsight, the stress test is a, a good thing. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, it, it's, it's, it's serving its purpose at this point, I think. And that's yeah. the important, that's the important thing. And again, again, you're looking at it from the macro level, not the individual level, Um, there's a lot of reasons to think that the direct impact of interest rates, particularly for, um, existing homeowners Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. will not be very significant. It will be, it, it's something, it's something to consider and it it will be felt. Um, but it's not something that will, um, in any way on its own lead to a decline in the housing market. I think, I think the psychology of interest rates and rising rates, Mm -hmm. um, and inflation actually has more of a direct impact today. And I think it'll, you know, it'll impact people's budgets, but it won't lead to a a flood of listings of people who absolutely have to sell because they can't afford their home anymore. Yeah. Are you noticing an impact on these individual buyer groups? like dif- differential impacts like um i think it's still too early to tell right mm. you know how like if you think about it, how quickly the shift was right yeah like, true right mm-hmm. it's you know the interest rates gone up pretty quickly right these interest rates that gone up are historically um undone hasn't been done before 26 years before hasn't a hike like this right and you know, we're in June, like January, February, March, we would be having a completely different mm-hmm. conversation. Mm-hmm. We were. Right. So, mm-hmm. you know, for everyone to soak in all this and see where it's all at. Right. It's 
to me, it's still a little early to tell. And the rule of thumb is that it takes about 18 months for rate hikes to work their way through the economy. So yeah. the three that we've had already haven't yeah. been fully realized. So I think to Andy's point, once yeah. you see that crest, I exactly. think it'll be a deep breath. Once you see that, once you see that, right? You can have a lot more confidence, right? Because mm -hmm. it wouldn't be such so drastic. Uh, things would become more logical and and you know a little bit you know more transparent and see where we things go. It just it's a lot of uncertainties. So T minus eighteen months. It's <laughs> 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 thirteen at this point. Yeah, it's How been many? Uh, three since the first rate hike. Oh, okay, the little one. So it'll be interesting to see. Check back in um, a year's time or so. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and I think just as a final comment on this, I think when you're in the midst of um, you know, some of these changes, it's, it's hard to really get a feel for the trajectory of them. Mm -hmm. And, you know, there's a lot of evidence that points to, um, inflation cooling off, not down to 2% by the end of the year, but the supply chains start to function, uh, more smoothly. Some of the excess money that's been in the economy has worked its way through. And certainly also that interest rates are having the impact, um, that they're intended to have. So as we start to see inflation be, I don't want to say tamed, but slow, mm -hmm. as we see inflation slow, um, you know, there is um, like the big banks, you know, as Ryan said, are all forecasting almost like a, a, a parabolic sort of outlook for mm -hmm. interest rates. Like we all think interest rates are going up, 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 because that's what it's been so far this year. And even going back to the beginning of February 2021, when you look at mortgage rates, but we could be coming to sort of the crest of that of that increase, um, and we could get a, real, a little bit of relief, I think, um, entering 2023. It'll be interesting to see what happens. So that's a lot of really great insight that you provided us with today, Andy. So thank you so much. On today's podcast, we covered three main insights. The detached home segment of Vancouver region market is balanced. The context of our housing market has shifted in the first six months of this year, and for existing homeowners, rising borrowing costs are more likely to spell inconvenience than disaster. So Andy, before we let you go, do you have any final thoughts or advice for potential home buyers or home sellers that are thinking about um, what to do in the market right now? Um, yeah, I mean, like, you know, I work with both buyers and sellers uh, quite a bit, right? So um, I, you know, if you got a good, if you've locked down a rate, like I was talking about, right, um, you know, it's probably best to see if you could find something within that fits your category, right? Because mm -hmm. you, you're borrowing it uh, cheaper than you get outside of that 120 days, right? Um, you, guess what? You If you find it again, you're going to be paying the higher rate, right? Even though if it's interest rates are higher, but it just comes down to the affordability, right? And what you can borrow, right? So the higher interest rates, uh, you know, the less you can borrow, right? So if you have that rate and you cap that rate, right? There are deals out there. Right. So uh, and you can do your due diligence. Right. So I guess in a way is don't be shy to put that offer. You know, there's sellers, <laughs> there's sellers out there that re have bought and need to sell. Right. So, you know, use me, use eight, your agents. Right. You know, if you're if you think it's a bad offer, that's what we do. Right. That's mm -hmm. what we do. Right. We dig out and grab those deals for you. Right. Right. Um, in terms of sellers. Right. Hey, I've already mentioned July 13th. Right. So, you know, you know, you have to face the fact you're not getting January, February, March prices, right? If that hasn't kicked in, it's got to kick in now, right? If you want to move that product, right? It's not going to get cheaper after that, right? So, um, you know, take it and move on, 
right? Because mm-hmm. you know you might be able to get, you might take it, and you might get yourself a better buying opportunity. It's still a win-win, right? So great on both sides, right? So uh, I think I, you know, it's it still also comes to that inventory level, right? So right, trying to find that right inventory too, right? So it's not if if sellers don't need to sell, they probably don't want to sell, right? Right. So yeah. I have buyers like I'm looking, I can't find anything, right? But it, it is what it is because, you know, if you don't need to sell, it's not the best place to sell right now. Right. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. yeah, that's great. And so I guess the, the key takeaways from your points is um, stay within your budget yeah. <laughs> and find a great advisor to help you. Yeah, exactly. Right? <laughs> Excellent. So get the good advisor to sniff out those deals for you. Perfect. Right? So, perfect. Yeah. And um, how can anybody reach out to you if they want to contact you for more information? Uh, uh, phone, Instagram right uh email right all all up in there phone number do i give my phone number if you want yeah. whatever you, you want to give sure six seven four seven seven nine nine three eight two right so perfect yeah exactly right and you so, can also find uh, yeah. andy on the Rennie website at rennie.com slash andy ma Thank you so much. And this wraps up this episode of the Rennie podcast. To dig deeper into the data, be sure to check out our latest Rennie review and other intelligence information on rennie.com slash intelligence. Be the first to receive this information straight to your inbox. Register for Rennie intelligence updates. Andy, thank you so much for joining us today. We really appreciate your time. No, and thank all you your for insights. having me. Really, it was really fun. It's Ryan. our first podcast. So. <laughs> <laughs> and we really enjoyed having you. Ryan Berlin, Ryan Wise, thank you again for another insightful conversation. Thanks, Justine. Thanks, Thanks Andy. Thanks. Thanks, guys. The Rennie Podcast is a Rennie production and is recorded on the unceded territories of the Musqueam, Squamish, and Tsleil-Waututh Nations. Thank you for joining us. If you'd like to learn more, all resources mentioned in the episode can be found on rennie.com. Thank you.